All right, hey everybody, welcome back to Sunday night. I'm Corey Miller here with Five on Your Side Sports Director Frank Cusimano. Continue, continuing these uh, Sports Plus Live Sunday night chats. We know uh, you might have some plans here for about 8 o'clock, so uh, we'll get to that in a second. So we move this up about a half hour to fit it in everybody's schedule. First things first here, though, uh, we've been diving in. We've been doing these great rankings uh, every week at Five on Your Side since the sports shutdown has happened. And this week, I think, was uh, the biggest one of all. We finally did the Cardinals. Frank revealed his his top 18, well, maybe top 21 with a little bit of uh, <laughs> a little bit of some creativeness there at, at 16. Uh, just right off the bat, Frank, what, what do you have to say about your list? Um, well, I think the most controversial thing is the fact that we did include center field as an entry with Jim Edmonds, Willie McGee, and Kurt Flood. I think if I would have only gone one, I may have gone Edmonds, but I just don't think you could have an all-time list without Willie McGee, who's the second most popular player of all time after Stan Musial, and Kurt Flood, who had such an impact on the franchise, and by the way, was probably the best defensive center fielder we ever had. The other big controversy was at three. I think people wanted Gibson or Ozzie, who I love, and they're all my heroes, but the guy that was number three is Roger Hornsby, who, oh, by the way, hit 424 one season, which is the highest average in the history of baseball, was a triple crown winner and was, you know, arguably the greatest right-handed hitter baseball's ever had. So we were comfortable with Hornsby at three. Now, as a Hall of Fame person, oh, my gosh, the guy was as bad as Ty Cobb. But as a player, there was few better than Rogers Hornsby. I think my... My top five would have been definitely the same uh, makeup of guys as you had. I think I would have gone Gibson three um, instead of Hornsby and Hornsby four. But in terms of the the makeup of the guys who were in the top five, I mean, you can't argue with those guys. Um, I was, I, I think we would have had a pretty similar. I mean, you asked me for some input. I I I, uh, I gave a little bit of help here along with Andy Moeller. But I would have had a couple things different. I I think I would have had Ken Boyer on there. And just looking at it, Scott Rowland's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. I think I would have put Scott Rowland on there, too. Well, it's an interesting thought. And you, you don't want to ever, ever be in the position of arguing against Boyer or against Rowland. Let me just say this. If Scott Rowland never would have had that chronic shoulder injury and he would have been able to finish off his career well, he'd be in Cooperstown right now, and he may be top 12 on the list. But the fact that um, he lost his power at the end and he had such a dramatic decrease, you know, it was, it was tough to put him on. It's tough to keep him off. And Boyer is one of the great Cardinals of all time, no doubt about it. I was, uh, I was happy you, you gave uh, a lot of love to the, the old guys, Frankie Frisch and uh, Medwick and – Johnny Mize, who I, I still kind of associate with the Giants, but with the Cardinals, he was uh, a definite beast. Uh, even Jim Bottomley, you had on there. You went way back in the uh, way back in Cardinals history for some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, if if it was a franchise like the Mets, well, maybe you could start it from '86 on. But if you had this glorious history where you're winning in '26, '31, '42, '44, and '46, and then you know '64 and '67. You got a lot of great players. That's, that Johnny Mize, as we mentioned in the piece, he's the only player in history with a season of 50 homers with less than 50 strikeouts. I mean, Corey, just imagine 
these modern-day sluggers, if they have 50 home runs in a season, well, they're going to have 150 strikeouts. He had less than 50. That's insane. That's I can't even imagine that right now. The guys, some guys have 50 strikeouts in a, a couple of weeks in a month. Sometimes that's uh, that's we'll never see that again. That should be up there with the uh, DiMaggio hitting streak and the and the Cal Ripken. Nobody's ever going to do that again. Um, no. What else we got? If you guys are just tuning in, I'm Corey Miller uh, here with Frank Cusimano, Five Hundred Side Sports Director, uh, doing our Sunday night sports uh, sports plus live chat. If you guys have a question or comment. We got a lot of good ones last week. Drop it in uh, the comments here on Facebook, and I'm looking on Periscope as well. Hopefully I don't miss any on there. Uh, anything you want to talk about sports-related. We, uh, we just talked about our uh, Frank's all-time Cardinals list, which he revealed this past week. And at the very beginning, I said uh, we move this chat up. Usually it's 8, but we're doing it at 7.30 today because uh, we actually have something sports-wise to be excited about tonight on television. Uh, I'm so excited for this Michael Jordan Bulls documentary. Uh, Frank is a big basketball guy. I know you are too. Just how refreshing is this to have some, some kind of sports something to look forward to? Corey, I think it's the most anticipated television show that I can ever remember in my lifetime. Now, granted, O.J. Simpson, Made in America, has more mainstream appeal there's no doubt about that. But if you throw in COVID-19 and no sports and one of the five most famous sports figures probably in history, Michael Jordan, and the fact that we've waited so long. I mean, you know, you had to do some convincing with Jordan. They've had this video of the last dance, Jordan's last season with the Bulls for years, but Jordan would not allow it to be released. And uh, the producer went to him and what the producer had going for him was, he had done the Allen Iverson documentary, and uh, Jordan said he cried two or three times during that documentary, and he said, quote, I love that little man, talking about Iverson, and the producer and Jordan developed a relationship, and Michael felt comfortable. And, Corey, I think part of it, too, is that I think Jordan has probably heard of enough of this LeBron is the greatest of all time thing, you know. I think Jordan wants the younger generation to realize, hey, there was basketball before LeBron, and over the next 10 hours, you're going to see why most people call me the greatest of all time. Just how do you remember that time in the 90s? It had to be one of the just craziest. I mean, we got like half of a taste of it with the Warriors. If You it can't even really call it a dynasty because it didn't last that long. But just what was that like, the whole Bulls mania in the, in the mid-90s? Well, it was six world championships in a span of eight years, and it may have been eight in a row if Michael didn't go and play baseball. But what I remember most is the, um, the way that the slights would motivate Jordan. And even if the slights were not real, he would fabricate them and blow them up to motivate himself even more. And then, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, I think Larry Bird is probably in that same cutthroat mindset of Jordan. In fact, that's why I think the two became rather friendly at the end because they shared that same competitive fire. But, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a, a Michael Jordan who was so upset at Steve Kerr and the second team of the Chicago Bulls for beating them one afternoon in a scrimmage that he punched Kerr in the face. 
we're talking about uh, him being upset with Will Perdue and him once telling Will Perdue, you're not good enough to be named after a Big Ten team. You should be called Will Vanderbilt. I, I think that we're going to be <laughs> aghast at some of the things he did, and we're going to laugh at some of the things he did because of his competitive fire. I I am very excited. If you're uh, just tuning in, we're talking about the uh, the Last Dance documentary starting here in about 20 minutes on ESPN. Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Um, if well, if you want to watch the uncensored version version, you go to ESPN because they're uh, they're gonna let it fly from what I've been reading with uh, the expletives. But if you want the clean version, you watch on ESPN too. Uh, I'm I think there's gonna be some dirt here, and it's a ten part series. We're gonna be dissecting this for a while. We got Charles from St. Louis saying they could uh, the Bulls couldn't beat the the bad boys in Detroit in their prime. I, I I wish I could go back and see one of those matchups between the Bulls and Isaiah Thomas and them. Well, in fact, they did, and they beat them uh, pretty good. And the the Pistons were such bad sports that they walked off the floor before the end of the game. Let me tell you something. I, I, those Piston teams are really good. Dumars, Isaiah Thomas. You know, Mark McGuire, uh, Mahorn, and Lane Beer, they were good teams. But Jordan's Bulls at his best were better than the Pistons. Now, I will say this. I don't know how Jordan's Bulls would have done against the Celtics at their best, the 85 Celtics, with Bird, McHale, Parrish, Walton, Dennis Johnson, or the Showtime Lakers. But they were better than the Pistons at their best, no doubt about it. I, uh, I, you're a big Celtics guy. I was going to ask you about that, but did you even find, was it just kind of a countrywide thing? Everybody just wanted to root for the Bulls and kind of see just how long this thing could keep going? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that they didn't have quite the rivalry that the Celtics and Lakers had, East Coast, West Coast, Bird, Magic. But I, there, there were three great dynasties of that era, and it's Bird, Celtics, Magic's Lakers and Jordan's Bulls. And I don't know if Jordan's Bulls were the best. You know, I, to be honest with you, you know, Hall of Famers on that team, Pippen and then Rodman, the last three, but they had a lot of good role players. I mean, they had Kerr and Paxson and Grant and Craig Hodges and Bill Cartwright. But I mean, the Celtics, we're talking Bird, you know, one of the two greatest forwards of all time, Mikhail, you know, one of the most unstoppable big men of all time. Parrish, a Hall of Famer, DJ, a Hall of Famer, Walton, a Hall of Famer. The Lakers, we're talking Magic Johnson, greatest point guard of all time. Kareem, maybe best center of all time. Worthy Hall of Famer. Byron Scott, an all-star. Michael Cooper, a great defender. I think that those teams actually had better personnel, but what they didn't have was the greatest player of all time, and that's number 23 with the Bulls. All right, everybody's excited here for uh, the last dance tonight. Let's get to a few questions before we get off so we can all go watch it. Um, Gentry on Twitter, will the Cardinals play soon without stadium crowds? Uh, that's, I mean, I don't see how there's any way if they get this season started, they, they're going to have to do without crowds, at least for a little bit, right? I would agree with you 100%, and I would say the same for the NHL and for the NBA. I think all three leagues are going to play this summer, and each one of them is probably going to have to start in without fans and have limited fans throughout. Let me let me ask you this, because I've just been kind of thinking about this. How bad would it feel um, if we had this shutdown and the Blues hadn't won 
the Stanley Cup, Cup last year, and their season gets suspended, maybe taken away when they're leading the Western Conference with all this momentum, that Stanley Cup championship makes this feel at least a little bit okay. At least that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, Corey, because even if they don't return, then we head into next season and the Blues are still the defending Stanley Cup champions. But last year, with all the mojo of Jordan Bennington and, you know, that, that team, that, that would have been wrong. I still think they're going to play hockey. You know, I spoke with uh, Tom Stillman Friday in a Zoom interview. You know, he's optimistic, too. I just think somehow, somewhere – I mean, in fact, Wayne Gretzky today has said that he thinks there's going to be NHL hockey in late summer. I, I still think it's going to happen. I, I don't know why this idea hasn't really been floated around. I would look at this like this is the off season. That's how I would. I would say just automatically give everybody like three months off, then plan on coming back late summer, uh, starting early, and essentially take the end of this season into next season with a week or two off in between. That's what I, I'm surprised that hasn't been discussed as an option yet. Yeah, I guess, uh, well, I bet it has been discussed behind, you know, closed doors. Um, I mm. guess, though, my only contention would be that if it lasted real long, like let's just say you're having a postseason in September, I think you'd want to delay the start of the regular season, you know, a little bit. I don't know if you could go straight from the finals to opening up training camps. Let's look at some comments here. Keith Bailey uh, liked your uh, Will Vanderbilt comment. He's laughing at that one. That was a funny story. <laughs> um, I think it just disappeared, but I think it was Nick Bruno had a question about the Battle Hawks. Had a, a week or so to, to let that sink in. Uh, I uh, It still hurts. That's honestly, the Battle Hawks, the whole XFL folding is, uh, for me, the most devastating sports impact uh, for St. Louis right now. It's just a shame. Yeah, it really is. And I know you put together a great piece, uh, which is already online. You can, we'll probably have it on television too. You know, once again, St. Louis is the one city that's burned the most by a professional football league because we really, I mean, just really had it going. And, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to come back. And I don't know if, if we made enough of an impression on the NFL that thinks, hey, we got to have football in St. Louis. But it was really cool while it lasted. Yeah, I think we had a couple more Bulls comments in here. Let's, uh, I'm already bracing myself. I feel like this is going to be three months of uh, more LeBron versus Jordan debates, which I was kind of sick of. Um, but it's inevitable that's going to happen now that we're bringing, uh, bringing up the greatness of, of Michael again. I don't know if I've ever heard your take on this, Frank. Uh, you mentioned, you alluded to it a little bit at the beginning of us talking about the documentary. But what is your what is your stance on Jordan and LeBron? Well, um, LeBron may be the the best athlete to ever play the game. He and Russell Westbrook, and I think that I'd say you know LeBron's one of the three best players of all time. But look, the the, the way to answer this question is this, Corey: If your mother's health depended on one guy winning one game, it's Michael Jordan. I mean, he, he was six for six when it counted. And LeBron, as we've seen, has, has lost plenty of finals. And, you know, granted, LeBron had some, you know, mediocre teammates. But Jordan, again, was not surrounded by Hall of Famers either most of the time. And he, and he never lost. So I, I'd take Jordan. You know, LeBron a little bit bigger. Jordan a little bit better shooter. 
Jordan a little bit better ball handler, maybe LeBron a slightly better passer, but give me Jordan at the end of a game, as, as we saw, as Craig Elo will attest, as many others will attest. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. I think we're going to cut this one off a little early tonight. Thanks for your questions, talking sports with us on a Sunday night. We'll look to keep these going as long as uh, we don't have any actual sports to watch, but tonight we do. Uh, let us know what you think of the Bulls documentary. I'm sure for, uh, we'll be talking about it uh, for a while to come. It's 10 parts, so we've got this for a while. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.